Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Ezra Crawford, who's the Senior Director of Practice Group Business Development and Management at Kroll & Mooring. Ezra, great to have you with us. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here. So you are here in two capacities today, both in the capacity of your role at Kroll & Mooring, but also through your volunteer efforts in the Professional Advocacy Working Group at LMA. Tell us a little about that. Yes, that's right, David. So. At Kroll & Mooring, I'm a Senior Director of Practice Group Management and Business Development, and in that role, I co-lead a team of 25 business development and practice management professionals, which is a really robust function that we have here. We've probably dedicated about 80% of our time to business development and, and about 20% of our time to practice management. Those can flex at any given time, but it's been really exciting for me to dip my hands in the world of practice management. On the LMA front, I continue to stay involved with the Legal Marketing Association. I've been a member since 2004 and served in various capacities at the chapter and national level. Most recently, I was invited to and agreed to participate in the Professional Advocacy Working Group, which I helped to co-lead. So we're really focused on raising the profile and stature of legal marketing professionals within the industry, but also with lawyers specifically. I don't know that we always get the recognition that we deserve, that I think we deserve, with the lawyers and the law firm leaders. So we're really focused on creating an awareness in the marketplace about the benefits that we bring to the table and hopefully helping to earn even more of a seat at the table as, as our profession progresses. Yeah. And we know that the history of the legal marketer is, if you go back a few decades, is really in legal assistants, right? It was the legal assistants and legal secretaries who became the first people in charge of marketing to the extent that there was a marketing department uh, in law firms. And then as that function evolved, uh, those people took on more and more responsibility, but they weren't necessarily people who had studied marketing or had MBAs uh, in college. They were people who just kind of inherited the role. And so in the early days, lawyers were giving very little credence to marketing as a concept and certainly perhaps even less credence to the people who were running those functions for their firms. But in today's environment, we have very sophisticated people running marketing, business development, client service functions at the firm. But there's still a little bit of that stigma that marketing and BD is kind of administrative and it's not billable and it's not the real stuff we do here at the firm. And so professionals who are part of LMA and who are in those roles have a bit of an uphill battle to fight. Would you say that's an accurate characterization? I think that's right. And I think it's important to keep in mind that legal marketing as a profession is 42 years old. A lawyer was unable to advertise until the Supreme Court upheld the right of lawyers to advertise, as you recall, as Bates v. State Bar of Arizona. That was in 96 or 97. So this profession didn't even exist until the late 90s or early 80s. This was before the internet. This was before um, computers and not, not before computers, but before the application of computers in business. Uh, it was before a lot of the modern theory of marketing was even in place. So we're kind of maybe middle-aged as profession as a profession. <laughs> so there's a lot 
uh, of growth that's occurred. And it, it's some of that growth has occurred in the entire span of a lawyer's career. One of my good friends and colleagues from Howry, who went on to become the head of the antitrust practice at Baker Hostetler, recently retired. And I believe he told me he had been in private practice for 37 years. Maybe it was even 40 years. So yeah. the entire continuum of legal marketing, this practice group leader was a practicing lawyer. So yeah. There's a lot of evolution that has occurred, but there's even more to come. Well, let's talk about that. What are you seeing down the road here as we look to the future? So let's look to the future by looking back a little bit. So as I said, 40 plus years old, what, what, was, what did the first advertising look like? It was toll-free numbers and yellow pages. It was in the early beginnings of true legal marketing professionals. It was press releases and tombstone ads. I'm sure you remember tombstone ads and how much fun they were to put together and send off to various legal publications so that your partners could gloat to see their name for when they moved to join a new firm. Um, Ezra, I don't know how old you think I am, but I have no idea. (laughs) You don't. Uh, I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, websites, 94, I think the first law firm website came out. Um, Then we started to do things like coaching our lawyers on business development or starting to interview our clients. These are all things that have come online really in the last 15 years or so, which is kind of a a blip really in the history of marketing in the United States or or in the world. So there's a lot that's occurred, but there's more to come. So what is to come? I think you'll continue to see a refinement of the sophistication and approach that law firms and their CMOs and professionals take to legal marketing, um, an optimization of the things that they do well and a continuation of those things. Each firm, each culture is going to take things a little bit differently, but I think there'll be a retreat or a re-entrenchment to focus on strengths of what your firm is truly good at, and maybe a little less and hopefully a little less of chasing that next hot thing. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. I can point to a very recent evolution that is, I think, in its early stages, but I imagine will continue at a very rapid pace to become the norm, which is we're seeing at smaller firms and at the smaller offices of larger firms that people who had come in as internally facing business development professionals, whether they're BD directors or marketing directors or BDMs or what have you, are starting to take on a hybrid role where they have external facing responsibilities. In some cases, the business development and marketing professionals have taken it upon themselves to say, well, I've learned how to become at least knowledgeable when it comes to selling and networking and all of these things that I'm teaching my lawyers. Why don't I do some of that myself in an effort to get a little closer to the money and get a seat at the table and start to originate some business for the firm? It will certainly bolster my value around here. And in some cases, it's been, you know, more of a strategic initiative that's been introduced by management. But regardless, this was really unheard. In fact, the idea of an outbound sales professional at the law firm was 
a real pioneering move, right? We had the outliers like the, the Stephen Bells and the Catherine Zins of the world. Um, yeah. But you could count on a couple of hands who those people were. Now we're seeing this more and more in some capacity at many firms that are recognizing that the top of the funnel is a very inefficient place to have to navigate. And if you're billing by the hour, you really might not be applying the highest and best use of firm resources. So having people to identify opportunities, warm up those opportunities, and then ultimately be able to hand it off to the lawyer when the closing conversation is teed up and ready to go is a much smarter way to conduct business in legal. So, you know, that's that's certainly part of this evolution. Again, I think we're in early days in terms of that being the norm, but I think it's monumentally smart of uh, marketers and business developers to start practicing what they preach and not just be book smart in business development, but, you know, start to apply those principles. I, I agree 100%. So I was fortunate enough to have a prior career in financial services sales. And I went to Hartford, Connecticut in the dead of winter and spent over two weeks being trained by Solomon Smith Barney in the consultative selling process. So I'm very familiar with conducting a needs assessment and figuring out what product or solution to offer back to your clients. It's not just, you know, here's what we're selling today, please buy it. No, okay, please buy it, like that, the hammer approach. So I've sold, I actually prefer the consultative side of selling. Uh, So working with lawyers, preparing for a, a sales meeting. And my experience is when you prepare yourself to prepare the lawyers, if you do it right, you end up knowing as much or more about that pitch that they're about to go on. And at some point in your career, there's going to be a tipping point where the lawyer says, you know, you should come along. And that's happened. I think the reason we're starting to see some of these trends that you're seeing is that we're starting to get to that point. And some have been doing it for, for quite a long time, but maybe there's more of a critical mass where we're starting to get to the point when we're good enough at what we do across the industry that people are starting to pay attention to the advice and the knowledge and the insights that we bring and say, you know, maybe it is good to have that commercial voice that our business development professionals can bring to this conversation. I also wonder if this has something to do with the rise of the legal operations functions at our clients where our lawyers are having to interact with professionals who are more focused on the operations side who may or may not have law degrees. And they're starting to have interactions at clients a little bit more that aren't with lawyers. So, And they see a space for us to connect with those folks. And, and that's happening a bit here in my firm where our pricing people are interacting more with the client's pricing people or our legal technology people may be plugged in a little bit better or our operations people. So it may be a combination of professionally, we're upping our game and that's being noticed, but also the industry may be changing and it may be changing people's thoughts about who should be in those meetings. And I, and I hope it's a little bit of both of those, but more so I hope it's that we're, we're just darn good at what we do and it's starting to be recognized. Yeah. Ezra, talk a little bit about the credibility factor how the practicing what you preach component can help professionals to gain some of this stature that they're looking for in the eyes of their lawyers. 
the practice, what you preach. So what do we say if we know an attorney is going to meet a client? We say you should get some competitive intelligence. You should look at the cases that they've faced recently. You should talk to your fellow partners about what other work we've done. All of these pieces of advice that we give, we should be giving that to ourselves before we even go into that advice meeting. So it's not theoretically you should do all of these things. It's like, I did them for you. Here's some things that I saw. Why don't you think about it this way? Do you need more information over here? So that when we go into these meetings, we're taking, and I like how you've mentioned the theory part of it, when we've taken theory and we've actually applied it, and we're bringing that next level of advice. My mom always said when I was younger, if you borrow something from somebody, always give it back to them in better condition than they gave it to you in. And I like to think of that when a lawyer asks me to become involved in something, whether it's an article that they're writing or a client pitch or meeting that they're going on and they say, hey, could you help? I like to think of that as they've given me something, which is the opportunity to be helpful and to add some value. So when I give it back, I'm not just giving them back what they're asked for. I'm giving them back what they asked for with a little bit more, my insights, my strategy, the extra step that I went. And if we do that enough, lawyers will start to say, hey, there's the value that I want and need. And they'll invite you more into those conversations and to be part of those client meetings or the pitches or the preparation or the strategy discussions. So as we continue to become better at what we do, that's an important part of it is to just get away from the theory and into the application of that theory a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. It also addresses a reasonable degree of skepticism that lawyers may bring to advice that they hear from their marketing and BD professionals, where they say, all right, well, essentially what you're telling me is do as I say, not as I do. You know, you're telling me because you studied this stuff that this is what I should do, but you've never actually sold anything yourself. So why should I believe you? Or how do I know this is going to work? Whereas, you know, if, if marketers can say, in fact, I was at a client pitch meeting just last week and here's how it went and here's what I did and here's what worked and here's what didn't. Again, just raises that credibility factor. A hundred percent. I've been able to do that a few different times and I can notice sort of the, the, the difference of attention <laughs> that a statement like that might bring. I think a lot of us have done this when we've cited client feedback where we're making a recommendation to a lawyer. We say, in fact, this client said, we don't do a good enough job of cross-selling. Well, it's hard for them to argue with that fact if, if you have it. But if you can also say, when I was at XYZ client talking about this issue, they mentioned that, in fact, you know, drones are an important part of their strategy, even though they're an agricultural company. They're actually thinking about the best way to use drones for the application of their pesticides or something like that. Uh, you're going to get somebody's attention, especially in the law practice where everything's precedent based. So yeah. you, you got to prove everything. <laughs> you got to substantiate everything and nothing better than direct firsthand experience to get that person thinking your way. Yes, that's right. By the way, um, side note, I really appreciate your mother's advice of, you know, if, if somebody lends you something, you have to return it in better condition than when you got it. And my car desperately needs a wash. So I'm just <laughs> thinking maybe I could lend it to you. Uh, you're in California, right? <laughs> yeah, there may be some logistics involved I'm in here. D.C. Drive it here. I'll, I'll borrow. <laughs> that's right. You drive it over. I'll take care of it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges and opportunities that this evolution poses for our colleagues in the marketing and BD space. What ideas come to mind for you? 
There's a couple of different things that come to mind. I mean, first is anytime there's challenges, there's opportunity. That's something Smith Barney taught to me up in the cold, dark nights of Hartford, Connecticut. So that's one way to look at it is that anytime there is a challenge, there's something on the other side that, that should be positive that we should be able to get out of that. So I think there's there's two things. One is I think this maturation or this evolution of legal marketing, we're really in a position now where we're going to have to figure out what works and what doesn't work at a firm level and really start to apply those. It's I don't think we can be content in saying like, these are all of the things that law firms do and we should do all of them. It should be more of like, these are all tools available to us when we distill it down based on our strategic plan and where we want to be as a firm. These are the things we need to focus on and invest in. And the rest is kind of noise. So I think that that'll be a challenge as we look to optimize what we do. Optimization often involves cutting things. So I think that's going to be something that will as an industry and as individuals in roles, as leaders in firms, we may have to address. I also think that, you know, I said we're 40 years old as a profession. We're starting to see a lot more people come into our roles from advisory, from architectural firms, from corporate marketing departments, and they're going to be bringing insights and ideas and skill sets that are different than ours. And I think that can be great. So you can imagine somebody coming out of, let's say, Coca-Cola, easy to to use them as an example, but somebody who headed up digital advertising for Coca-Cola globally or North America, coming into a law firm is going to naturally have a leg up on just about anybody doing digital in law firms, just because of where their industry is right now versus where the legal industry is. So for some, that may be threatening, but because the legal marketing community is so collaborative, I actually think that that's going to be a real bonus because we get a chance to hear from somebody who's done it differently, who's done it in another industry, and who's done it to a level that we maybe haven't seen. So even though we may get some some people coming into our industry who weren't here before, I think that could be really healthy and helpful to us. But some may see it as, you know, a, a, a infiltration um, into this this nice homogeneous community that we've built that's legal marketing. But I actually want to see more of it. And I think that personally it'll propel me forward to improve, to learn to adopt the strategies that folks like that bring in and and help me perform better in the long run. It will pressure us to up our game, that's for sure. Nothing wrong with that, though. Nothing Nothing wrong wrong with that, that. that's right. Yeah. Very good. Well, what steps can marketing and business development professionals who are listening today take to prepare for the future? So I think we just need to continue to evolve. And in my experience, the best way to do that is to be intellectually curious. And if we want to increase our influence and effectiveness, we need to be the absolute best at what we do. And this really means that we're keeping up with the forces that are driving change in our industry, uh, whether those are political or economic or regulatory, and the things that are driving legal demand. And then we need to know how our law firms and our lawyers can capitalize on those. And we need to put in place and in front of them the BD and marketing tools that help us take advantage of where things are going and where those trends are going. So be curious, learn your firm's business, learn your client's business, understand what your lawyers read in the morning, read those things too. 
go from theory to application of the things that you know and just continue to push forward and challenge yourself and challenge the industry to be the absolute best it can be. And if we do that, we're going to continue to gain the, the seats at the table that we think we deserve and, and frankly know we deserve. And the industry is going to be pushed forward because of it. And we're going to be right there helping to push. How do we take a stand for those of us who are inside of firms and don't yet have that influence, don't yet have that clout, that seat? How do we demonstrate to leadership that we're ready? That's a great question. I mean, you can't just walk in and say, you know, pound your fist on the table and say, give me a seat at the table. But I've never been in a situation where somebody has taken the time to think about something thoughtfully, come up with a plan or strategy that they think makes things better, and they present it where it's been turned down or where it's been unappreciated. So we may not be able to demand the seat at the table, but we can certainly do things that help us earn that seat at the table. So if you hear that your firm is working on a strategic plan and you're not involved in it, well, maybe write a strategic plan on your own and offer it to somebody that you know is on that committee or who's spearheading that effort. Uh, if you're a practice group manager and a lawyer of yours is going on a pitch and they haven't included you, put some things together for them, some talking points, pull an article of 10 questions to ask your client to start the new year and give that to them. Those are the things that, you know, when you borrow something, give it back in better shape than you got it. You can sort of make up those scenarios where you can find ways to insert yourself into things. And you're not barging the door down, but you're just taking the time to make people aware of what you can do. And by you, I mean what both you and the profession can do. I appreciate the encouragement and the way that you suggest approaching it, because that's absolutely right. You know, this may be a a slow process. It may be an earned process, but it is one that is available. And one thing that we can all count on is that if we just end up being resigned about it, there certainly will be no progress. So the prompt here is to put the next foot down in front of where you are and continue walking the path. I think that's right. And have expert opinions and share them, the key being expert opinions and and push forward. I think that's exactly right. Is there a way people can get more involved in the professional advocacy working group at LMA? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. I think if anybody listening out there has a story to tell where they've had success or an idea that they want to bring to light about how they've worked with a managing partner or leaders of the firm to push something forward that demonstrates the value that we add and they want to be interviewed or write a blog post or do something, we want to hear those stories about how we're influencing change and influencing and generating revenue for our firm. So you could have them reach out to me or somebody at LMA and say, I have a story to tell. How do I get people to hear it? And we'd love to talk to those people. Fantastic. Well, Ezra, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts today and for the good work that you're doing on behalf of all of us who are championing the legal marketer and legal business developer. You're listening to Ezra Crawford, and this is David Ackert. And thanks so much for being on the show today, Ezra. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.